Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. coming our first service I was shocked uh, there was packed in the first service and a good crowd today thank you for being a part of our service and if you're a guest here today we welcome you thank you for being a part of our service as well this is the second sermon in a little series called move if you weren't here last week I really challenge you to uh, listen or watch the the sermon from last week we talked about some vision and uh, what we feel God is doing in our church and where we're heading for 2019 so I'm pretty excited about that and I hope that uh, you will listen to that. Next week, we start a series talking about one. It's a six-week series leading up to Easter. And we're going through six Bible characters where Jesus individually reached out to the one individual. And I'm excited about that series as well, getting ready for Easter. I can't believe Easter is already here. I'm excited about getting ready for Easter. Um, but I, I wanted to talk to you today a little bit. And before I do, hey, I, that song was pretty awesome, wasn't it? That's just an awesome song, the words of that song just really resonate with me. And death has lost its sting. Do you know that today? Even on Time Change Sunday, death has lost his sting. I don't know about you, but maybe when you woke up this morning, you didn't have the words expecting on your mind. But I hope right now you will expect God to speak to you in a special way. Can we do this? Can we just pray right now that the Lord would just speak to us individually in a special way? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for that song. And thank you for the actions that fulfilled. And thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood and defeating death. And I pray that there's someone here without hope. and There's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Before they leave today, they'd accept you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that because we met today, we'd be drawn closer to you, that you would reign here, and that, Lord, we would get something that uh, can help us grow in our Christian life to leave here and impact your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, I I just want to celebrate real quick before I get into the message. Uh, The last hour, two people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, which is awesome. One young man, he's in his 20s, came up to me after the service, his first time in church since he was eight years old, and he'd been watching our services for the last month, and he came today, and uh, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, and so I'm pretty excited about that. If you're a new Christian, we just started a new believers class. It's going on this hour, so next week, if you'd like to come to that class, it's over here to my left. There's a classroom off of here. Man, you ought to get involved in that class. I would even tell you, if you have to choose a service or that class, go to that class. And uh, you'll learn just the the basis of faith and get you really an on-ramp of growing in your Christian life. And we really want that for you. And there's people learning that right now and getting discipled on a Sunday morning. So it's pretty awesome. And you get free child care. And there's donuts. And there's coffee. How you can't beat that. Bible, donuts, and coffee. And child care. Anyway. We're not, we're not doing good to start our sermon. But last week we talked about a couple different things. There's a brochure in the back if you'd like to get that on move. We believe God is moving here. It's amazing to me. Uh, last year we had over 200 people come to Christ. 
This year, we've had over 30 people start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And with the great movement of God, spiritually speaking, with people starting a relationship, I believe there's a good responsibility to the Jesus follower to make sure that we are grounding people in their faith. And uh, we talked last week about a discipleship pathway. We talked about adding two more pastors. So uh, we added a student pastor, and uh, Ty Hill. If you have not met him, make sure you meet him. I know there's going to be a meet and greet in the first service in a couple weeks from now. Look, look for that uh, media that going out there about that time where you can meet the student pastor. And I'm excited. It's the first since I've been here that we've had a student pastor just focus on students. Now, after focusing on your students, he'll probably quit in six months. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm excited about that. And then we've hired a discipleship and missions pastor. And so part of our vision for 2019 is really all the way through our ministry, have a discipleship pathway to where everybody can jump on in their context and be discipled, know more about the Lord, know more about the word of God. And so he gets here the first week of April and his family so I'm real excited about that. The only thing I don't think that we're going to like here is he is a Duke fan, and that's one strike against him. Can I get a, get a witness? And oh, Anyway, let's move on. Uh, but we're developing a loving culture, and as a church and moving, uh, there's many things that happen at a church. And today, I want us to focus on this. What is our part? What is our part in God's movement? Everybody in this room, from the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room, here's what I want you to understand today. If you're a Jesus follower, you have a part in the movement of God. Now, I want you to hear me because I'm talking to everybody in this room. No matter who you are, no matter your past, no matter if you have a lot of Bible knowledge, no matter if you don't have a lot of Bible knowledge, no matter if you've done nothing with your Bible knowledge, I want you to know that God created you. He has a purpose and a plan for you, and he wants you to have a part in his movement in growing the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear that today, and there's three ways that we're going to do that, and I'm going to share that with you in just a second, but I want you to make sure that you know this. I've said this often lately. If you're not dead, God's not done with you having a part in the kingdom of God. He has a plan for you, and, 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 and no matter how you're feeling, that you know that your creator wants you to have a closer relationship with him and wants to use you in his kingdom work. Can I tell you something? Do you know that the vocation you have, whether you believe it or not, is not for you to make money, but it's your mission field? Can I tell you, whatever you do Monday through Friday is a place where you can expand the kingdom of God, where God's placed you there. Some, some of you in this room, you cannot stand your job right now. And God says he's keeping you at that job because his plan is more for you to make money. It's more for you to expand the kingdom of God. And when we behave rightly by the word of God and we understand the truths of God's word, we can do our part to expand the kingdom. Let me tell you three ways I believe everyone that's a Jesus follower, no matter age, no matter what job, no matter what you do, can expand the kingdom. I'm so sick of this uh, uh, thought process in today that the guy who helps do the mission of the church is the guy with the microphone or the guy with the guitar. Everybody has a part in God's church in expanding the kingdom. No matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, you, if you're a Jesus follower, you are important to the kingdom of God today. Hey, did I tell you that you have a part in the kingdom of God? <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know that. Uh, but if there's three things. I believe when God moves, there are three areas God asks Jesus followers to take part in. Number one, spiritually. Spiritually, I believe that every Jesus follower, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God and his expansion, it's simply this. 
spiritually. Learning to walk closer to Jesus. Now let me say this. Not learning to walk as close as the pastor. Not learning to walk as close as mom. Not learning to walk as close as dad. Not learning to walk as close as somebody else. No, your personal journey and your spiritual growth is important. You don't have to keep up with anybody else. You don't have to look around and say, I'm not as good a Christian as that person or I'm better than that person. What I am saying to you, if you want to feel like you have a part in the kingdom of God, it's out of the overflow of the intimacy with God. And everybody's walk looks different. Everybody's walk is is a different speed. Everybody's walk has different areas of growth and different areas of diversity in it. And it's important for you to realize if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, if you're a student in here, you want to be a part of God's mission, then it's leaning into Jesus, spiritually speaking. Here's the second thing, physically. I think that's why the local church is important. Last week, we talked about creating a loving culture. Creating a loving culture takes everybody doing their part, even physically. I mean, serving, serving each other. A church that's mature is a church that's serving and loving each other. We talk about loving strangers a lot. In fact, it can be easier sometimes to love a stranger than a sibling. Can I get a witness in the house on that? It can be easier sometimes to have patience uh, with a stranger than have patience with your husband. Can I get it? No, please don't give a witness. Uh, it, can be, it can be easier. And so it's important for us to realize spiritually, physically, and here's the third one, financially. I believe all three of those, it's, it's three legs. I believe if you will just focus in your Christian life with three parts, spiritually, my speed, my pace, where do I need to grow? Where is God speaking to me? Secondly, physically, where can I serve in this season of life? Where can I be a blessing to somebody else? And then financially, what is God saying to me about giving toward the kingdom of God? I believe that every Jesus follower who is wanting to see a movement have no problem with the first two. Leaning into spiritual development and serving are two things for the most part, part we feel we could be a part of. The financial part is a little more challenging to us. When a church talks about finances, people get uneasy. I'm such a genius as the pastor in scheduling my sermon series. Not only is it Time Change Sunday, I'm speaking to you about finances on Time Change Sunday. It's a win-win. Yeah, right. But I want you to understand this. Somebody asked me the other day, so Pastor Mark, what are, you, what are you asking for? What's the leadership asking for? I'm really not asking you for anything. I'm simply inviting you in to living a generous life to see God expand his kingdom through you. I believe God knew that money would be a uh, 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 most talked about subject in the Bible. I knew that. I believe that because that would be a big part of his movement. It would be a big part of a stumbling block for people to be a part of his movement. Someone asked me this week about uh, what our goals were, and our goals are really to dive deeper this year into discipleship and to get closer together in unity and love. And, and, and in all reality, part of that does take generosity. And for 32 years, God has taken care of this church. I'm 32 years ago, reading has inspired me, and meeting people who started this church has inspired me. Started in Connor Prairie, Hamilton Hills, and praying over this property here, a bean farm, and God giving them this property, and seeing God work through the sacrifices and the generosity of God's people that you don't even know. And I don't believe that God had that all happen for us to just sit here and be comfortable and sing and give each other a high five and see each other next week. No, he did it for the purpose of expanding the kingdom of God because he knew Hamilton County would continue to need people to know that life is messy, but Jesus is the answer. The early church in Jerusalem began with 
the preaching of the apostles on Pentecost. I don't know if you've heard of Pentecost, but I believe that's when the New Testament church started. When preaching happened and, and the church quickly grew to 3,000 members in Acts 2.41. You ought to write that down, Acts 2.41. We're going to be in Acts 2 today, but Acts 2.41, we saw a big expansion of the church, 3,000 members. This rapid growth presented unique challenges for the apostles and the church. It presented a unique challenge in Acts 2.42. This is important, and I want you to take a pen today. I want you to be a student of the Bible, and I want you to see the background of the local church. So take a pen out. It's in front of you, and I want you to write some notes because this, this will help you. Acts 2.42 is an important verse I want you to read. Acts 2.42 outlines the basic ministry patterns of the early church. So write that down, basic ministry patterns. This is important. Acts 2.42, it's this simple. It says, the members devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It's that simple. Simply put, a local church together in unity is to do these ministries. Members devoted themselves to the teaching of the word. Every person who identifies with their local church should be devoted to the teaching, receiving the word of God. And then not only teaching, but fellowship. Jack's Donuts in the name of Jesus. Good fellowship always has to have good food. Can I get a witness in the house? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but fellowship. Some of you laugh. Some of you don't care. Some of you are sleeping. Um, fellowship. Then breaking of bread. I, I don't believe that a Christian can grow his spiritual or her spiritual walk without fellowship of other believers that are like-minded. And then prayer. Prayer is the work. It doesn't lead you to the work. Now, I want you to notice this. Acts 2.42 is the basic ministry of a local church. Now, write this verse down. Acts 1.8. Say that with me. Acts 1.8. Outlines the basic mission strategy. So you have the basic ministry pattern and you have the basic mission strategy of the local church. Jesus' followers were to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can, can I just tell you this that's important for Christian consumers? That the spiritual life isn't about you being better. The spiritual life is not just about the four walls of Hamilton Hills or the four walls of your house. The spiritual life is for you to devote yourself to the word, get around like-minded people so that you can be prepared for the future expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your personal life and in the life and the work of the local church you identify with. The Bible is very clear. The mission strategy of the church is disciple your home, disciple the church, disciple your community, and spread out from there from all over the world. That's the mission strategy for the local church. And guess what? Everybody who calls themselves a Jesus follower can look at the mission strategy. You, I said you, your mission strategy is in your home. Your mission strategy is where you go to work. Your mission strategy is in your local church. Your mission strategy is to be a part of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for you and he died for me. And we all have messy lives, but he cleans up the mess in my house, in my church, in my community, and all through the world. If we look at it that way, it's that simple. Jesus' followers were to be Jesus' witnesses in their own home, throughout their community, and out of all the world. And so to accomplish both the basic ministry of the church and the great commission of the church, the church 
needed resources. Although the early church may not have needed modern property, buildings and things, they still needed funds and various items to serve the body and reach the world. Modern churches are different, are no different. I want you to take your Bibles now and I want to look at our text. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45 shows the generous heartbeat of the early church, the pattern of generosity. The members were willing to make a sacrifice to share money, their homes, their food, in order to facilitate ministry and mission of the church. There's an idea of preparation here. Let, Let me give this to you. Many areas of life require preparation for future success. We have doctors that go to our church. We have police officers that go to our church. We have lawyers, pray for them, life is messy, that go to our church. We have all kinds of people with professions. You have a career field. You have to prepare for that. You have to learn more about that. You have to study. You have to continue preparing for the future of your field. Athletes attend practice. We're talking about practice. Some of you got that. Practice. Okay, never mind. I'm, try, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out my whole arsenal on time change Sunday, okay? And we, we, we have athletes who practice to prepare their games. One way that the churches can prepare for future success is to be generous and give with an eye on the future. It's important. It's not about giving to what you see now. It's about giving your life, your, your talents, your treasures with an eye on the future. It's important. It's important for your children to see. Your children do what they see. We're losing our children. And a lot of times the church gets the blame for it. And we are the church as Jesus follower. But our children are watching us. And if they see us take more than they give, that's the life that they will live. And we wonder why there's not a generous generation following us. It's because we're not living generously today. Happy time change Sunday. Don't worry about it. You're going to eat a donut and you'll forget this whole sermon existed. As you look at preparation, many people need Jesus. God has chosen to work through the church to reach those who do not know him. Christians who give to the church are giving out of obedience to God. Look, God wants to do more, not just with you, but more than just the people here. God wants the church to expand more than we want the church to expand. And you may have found Jesus, but God wants others to find Jesus. There's people in this room right now searching in their faith. There's people in this room right now that just became Christian. There's people in this room that may be going through the messiness of life. And the way that God ordained for those needs to be met is through the local church, which is me and you, to live generous lives. Yeah, great, yeah. Anyway. The radical generosity of the early church laid a foundation for the rest of the book of Acts. You see, other churches were planted, missionaries were sent, and many people came to know Jesus. Look, I believe with all my heart, the church I grew up in, there's men and women in that church that gave generously, that they have the benefits and they have part in the ministry I give today. You don't know. We're always in America. We'd have to see the success. We have to see the activity. But you may never see the activity that God's ordained to use you to be a generous person, to use you to disciple people, to make your past something that special story of God's redemption and understand the way you live your life leaning into Jesus to those three legs could change someone's life forever. 
the radical generosity of the early church laid a foundation. The modern churches also need generous people who are willing to give to help lay a foundation for future ministry in their communities and around the world. And we should be generous. We should be generous because God was first generous to us, freely giving his life for our sakes. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we seek to imitate the one who gave himself for us. So I want you to write down a couple statements in generosity. Christians should generously share. Christians should generously share. How many of you had children who's had a hard time sharing, sharing a toy? Okay. Most of you are lying. Every child has a hard time sharing at some point in life. And we talk about children, but the honest truth is adults have a hard time sharing. This is one of my pet peeves. We go to lunch after church. Lori, she's all about salads. I'm all about meat. Can't you tell? And, and I'll order food and she'll want to take some of my food. And I'll say, I'll gladly order you what I have, but please don't touch my plate in the name of Jesus. Anybody else have those issues in marriage? We'll be talking about that in two months. I'm just letting you know, after Easter, that's coming in the name of Jesus. Don't touch the food, just order more of it. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. Well, sharing, yeah, we're talking about sharing. See how it made that work? I think about lunch. If you look at Acts 2.44, now all, I want you to circle the word all, right in your Bible, mark it up, all, now all believers were together and held, circle the word again, all things in common. Look at this verse. I want, I want you to emphasize all of it. I want you to read it out loud. You ready? Acts 2.44, ready, begin. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. That means every local church has to have every believer in unity working together in the mission of the church, which is the niche that God's called us to in his kingdom to make this work beautifully. Let me give you a theologian perspective. His name's Peterson, makes the helpful observation. This is, this is a neat statement. He says, the unity of believers is stressed in two ways. This breaks it down. First, you ought to write this down. We are told that they were together. They met together regularly. It's hard to be a part of a local church when you don't show up, right? So they were together. Here's the second thing. We are told that they had everything in common. So together and everything in common, a church that is unified will show their unity by their desire to meet together and by their generosity toward each other. Did you hear that? So a local church who's mature and moving forward in the mission of God will reveal itself by this. Meeting together, wanting to get to know each other, wanting to have companionship, wanting to be generous together, meeting each other's needs. You know what that takes? That takes love. That takes patience. That takes thinking the best of each other. That takes us showing up and doing our part. Giving generously helps us avoid becoming so attached to this world that we end up forgetting our true purpose, building the kingdom of God. Can, 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 you, can you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying everybody in this room, if you call yourselves a Jesus follower, your purpose is not to latch on to this world. Your purpose isn't to put your career and family first. 
Your purpose is to use all things you can for the expansion of the kingdom of God. He has a special plan for you that no one else can feel. Your story is different than everybody else. And God in his divine appointment is going to put you to cross paths with somebody else that needs to hear your redemption story. So let's not fake it till we make it. Let's reach back and say, that was my mess and it's also my redemption. And somebody needs me to speak life into them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, you can clap. I'm clapping in my head. One way that believers can show their unity is by contributing to the same cause. And this way, each person can participate, even if they do so different financial levels, differently. What's that saying? It's not equal giving, it's equal what? Sacrifice. There is a sense of ownership when believers come together and contribute to a common cause. I'll never forget when I lived in Florida, I was younger. I'm still very young, but I was younger, and I had Disney passes. You go to Disney World, you get off the monorail, and then you walk onto these bricks, and all of a sudden we noticed on all these bricks there was names. Anybody ever see that? There's all these names. I asked somebody, "Uh, what are all these names from? Those are people who donated money to help Disney World. And I thought, wow, if you look at these bricks, it was impressive to the visitors so much that I saw these bricks, and I asked What is this all about? It becomes apparent that many people were unified in their desire to see the project completed at Disney World. And if people can give money to Mickey Mouse, then I believe that our world, our community, when they walk on campus here, we can see that all the needs are met inside the church and they can see Hamilton Hills engaged in the community meeting needs outside the church and they can identify with the fact that God is on the move through the generous life of a Jesus follower. So we may not have plaques everywhere, but when people come and they see how generous we help each other and reach out to our community, they'll be able to feel and see the movement of God. Here's, here's another statement. Christians should generously sacrifice. Sacrifice. This is a bad word in church. They should generously sacrifice. I want you to look at verse 45. Acts 2, 45 says, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Another perspective describes the generosity of the early church as a favorable indication of the depth of fellowship and mutual care at work within the community. That a community is really functioning with appropriate love and compassion is evident when you sell everything and everything's in common. It's significant that the early church was willing to sacrifice property and possessions to be able to meet the financial need. While modern Christians do not necessarily have to sell their possessions unless God says to, modern Christians should be willing to make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom and the church expansion. I think of the people in the past. I think of people who have given money in the past. I think of people who have given their time, given their talents. It's important for us to continue that on. And I want to remind you that the very gospel we put our hope in took sacrifice. Did you hear me? Let me say that twice for you. The very gospel that you say you believe took sacrifice from Jesus himself. Why do we believe we shouldn't sacrifice for the kingdom of God? Jesus willingly sacrificed of himself to save us. Our generosity should flow out of the experience of God's graciousness 
toward us. That should not be that God gets our leftovers. All the time God gets our leftovers. You know, I always say, I would love to sacrifice and be a generous person. I've even fallen into this trap. But I'm so to the max in my finances through the years that I would blame that for me being not a sacrificial giver when all the time we should be turning that around, being better steward of my finances. So when the time comes and God speaks to me to give toward the kingdom that I could give, not be grudgingly, but give generously, sacrificially so that the kingdom could be expanded. So often we blame our budget and our finances and our subscriptions instead of thinking about stewardship. And 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Sacrificial generosity is important. Here's the last thing. Generous Christians will experience God's blessing. Now this is the one that I really want you to listen to. Acts 2.45 says this, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any who had need. Now, God's blessing on the church in these verses should not be confused with prosperity gospel. I think one of the biggest detriments to the church in this age is those words, prosperity gospel. The early church would certainly have its share of persecution and problems. You can't see anywhere in the Bible where prosperity gospel exists. I want to to talk to you a little bit about how you receive and see the blessings of God. If you look at Acts 2, 46 through 47, it says this, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, pay attention to this, and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful, sincere hearts. I want you to notice that word. I want you to circle it. Joyful. The word joyful. Joyful. And then it says praising God. And then notice this. Enjoying. Joyful and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see, God's blessing on the church was experienced as the people felt joy in verse 46 and as more people came to know Jesus in verse 47. You know, as Americans, we think blessings is something tangible, is something physical. A new car, a raise, all those are great things. But the blessing of God is the joy in the journey. It's the joy of having favor as you are on mission for God. It's the joy of you being obedient in your behavior, understanding when you go to work tomorrow, you have an opportunity to show the gospel or share the gospel. You have an opportunity in your home. You have an opportunity in life. And when you live life understanding the blessing is in the journey and seeing movement in your Christian life, your expectations will not be something tangible of this world but your expectations will be to be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. Here's a perspective from another theologian. Describes the joy of the people as doubtless motivated by more than provisions of daily needs. They were aware that God was at work in their midst in a new way and that they were enjoying the benefits of salvation. You see, God also gave the church favor with their community, at least for a time, but persecution happened. Persecution happened in their community. 
The church enjoyed goodwill of all people in verse 47, but that eventually ended. And, and this theologian describes the situation of the early church by writing this. Within the community, there was a spirit of rejoicing and generosity. Outside it, they enjoyed great popular goodwill. The praises of God were constantly on their tongues and their numbers were constantly increased as he added more and more believers to the faithful remnant. This description is one that any church, ancient or modern, would be happy to have. Here's my point. The point is... You're not going to receive a blessing physically. What they were saying is the blessing is the joy in the journey as you draw closer to God. He is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you in the midst of where you're headed when you are submitting to Jesus himself. That's important. You see, when the church acts generously to serve others, it is a clear picture of Christ who at the cross generously gave his life and all he had so that we might find life forever. You could say that generosity is evangelism. You know, a lot of people like to to give a sermon. Some people, every opportunity is the spiritual opportunity. Someone said this to me, he goes, well, what was God speaking to you when you broke your leg? He was speaking to me that it hurt. Because this world is a mess, and I was a klutz, and I tripped over my own feet. You know, how do you like that for feeling old? And a lot of times we spiritualize life when we miss the spiritual application in itself. That the spiritual application is there can be joy in the journey in the midst of the broken leg when we understand God has a destination for each of us to walk through a door to where he will give us favor as we do his will and share the gospel. And the church must begin to challenge Christians to behave in ways that are consistent with what they profess. Let me say that again. The church needs to challenge Jesus' followers, with the way they behave that are consistent with what they profess because the lost people around us are watching how we respond in times of trials. So it's not about what you say. It's about how you behave. Because when you behave the same way of what you say, that's when the gospel comes alive in non-believers' lives. Parents, You can say one thing, but your behavior is a lot more powerful when it comes to discipling your children. Jesus reminds us of Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I get you to believe this? That you are a light on a hill in this city and beyond. When we behave, we flesh out the gospel and our behavior. When we act in ways that are consistent with our commitment to Christ, a watching world notices we cannot hide who we really are and generously reveals that our faith is genuine and true. You want someone to believe in the gospel? Then believing in the gospel takes our behavior. So not only is it generosity is expression of our faith in Christ, but it can also be a formative experience to other people. Inviting someone who has life change, invite them into life change, invite them into hell, can change their life forever. You see, the blessing is not so much that you're getting something physical, but you are getting the blessing of something very spiritual. To be set on a hill, 
have a front row seat to life change as a blessing itself. I can't tell you the greatest joys I've ever had is seeing someone who had need and fulfilling that need. Anybody ever had that feeling? That, that, that gratification inside is when I tell my family, hey, this family has a need. Let's meet their need. And we watch the joy on their face. The blessing is in us giving. The blessing is in living a generous life, and so the will of God can be fulfilled. And a generous Christian is grounded in a certain worldview that enables them to give freely to others in an authentic, genuine way, and the same is true for generous churches. Most people outside the church likely would not consider generosity to be defined as a characteristic of a faith community. Instead, they would expect rules Have you heard me say this before? A lot of people know what the church is against. They don't know what the church is for. You see, because we're really good with our mouths talking about Christianity, but when our actions line up with what we say, they will see us standing firm in the truth of God in love, living generously generously among our community. You want to show someone Jesus Christ when you're patient with those who don't agree with you. When you think the best of people that don't love you. And most people outside the church would not see this and many Christians have been taught that giving is a private matter. An individual experience. Something that is just between them and God. Some churches, cultures even discourage people from talking about financial matters and yet by By counting the number of verses in Scripture, you could argue that Jesus spent more time talking about money and possessions than about any other subject, including heaven or hell. You want to know why? Because Jesus knew that the culture of our church affects our generosity and shapes our spiritual transformation. We must create a culture of generosity. We're even going to give you at the end of this service, just go ahead and warn you, there's a mission downtown that had part of their, 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 their building torn apart in a storm this year, and they're raising funds. They help homeless people, and they give the gospel. They have an addiction ministry. And when we become a generous church, not just looking out for us, but looking out on how we can expand the kingdom, we can show people who Jesus really is. And so the gospel tells us that God freely gave Jesus to save us. We should be thankful for God's gift. We should be willing to be generous. And I want to pass out these cards. If you don't have one, they're going to come right now. And just lift up your hand next to them if you don't have a card because I want you to participate in this. Because I want us to show that we want a community here that's a culture of generosity. So they're coming. If you guys could just come up front here, that'd be awesome. And uh, we'll get you a card in the middle there too. There's a lot of people right there. And uh, on this section over here, if someone could run over to my right, the left section there, we'll get that card to you. I want to end this way. I'm simply inviting you into generosity. Here's what this card says. Moving the crowd into community, I commit the next steps of my Christian walk in the following three ways. Spiritually, committing to intentionally engage Christ personally and to the unity within Hamilton Hills. Spiritually, you're going to lean in spiritually not only in your spiritual life, but also into Hamilton Hills. Physically, committing to serve, or you are serving, you're going to continue to serve. Committing physically, you say, I don't know where to serve. Just just write down where you're interested. You say, I don't know where, but I want to, and we'll help you out. And then financially, you're committing 
consistently give back with joy a portion of what Christ has given to me. You say, why why are you wanting us to write a number down? There's several reasons why. It helps us just practically speaking with our budget for the rest of the year to know what we can depend on. It it helps you to write it down, to stay committed to it. it. It's encouraging and to see that you're reaching your goal. And then put your name on it. And you're saying at the end of this service, you say, I don't know how. I don't know how it can be done. I don't, I don't know what God wants for me, but I'm committing to spiritually, physically, and financially lean into this thing and live a generous life that I call my faith life in Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you time to fill that out, and I'm going to pray over the cards. And then once I pray over the cards, there's these bins here. We did it in the last service, and I want you to drop them in the bucket. I want you to encourage your brothers and sisters and that we're doing this together. Whatever it is, whatever you can do. The point is not the numbers. The point is not what you're doing. The point is, is that we are committing in unity to build a culture of generosity in our church as we move in to the spring into 2019. Would you bow your heads right there with me? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.